calling all car dealers in Ontario. Protect your clients from hefty insurance premium surcharges coming in September while simultaneously saving on your garage policy premium. With insurance premiums skyrocketing on high-theft vehicles, your clients could save up to $12,500 over five years. Increase your profits and enhance your savings with Invisitrack Locate. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the September 22nd, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest this week spent the entire week speaking to Unifor officials, automakers, and labor experts, and he's here today to give us a lay of the land when it comes to the tentative deal struck earlier this week between the Union and Ford Motor Company of Canada. He'll give us some thoughts on the talks and what's next. All that and more when we hear from Automotive News Canada Toronto Bureau Chief David Kennedy on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. David, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. It's great to have you back. Lots to talk about. The dust is starting to settle on this. The two sides have a tentative deal. How would you describe the talks to date? Uh, well, it's tough to say. Obviously, haven't been right in the room. Um, but at the same time, you know, standing on the other side of the door, you get the sense that uh, it's not quite like we're seeing in the U.S. with real uh, frustration on both sides, I guess. Uh, it, it seems like this is a relatively chummy atmosphere where they're, they're working to get the deal. Both sides are working to get what they can um, from the other one. But at the same time, uh, you know, they're working together um, for their mutual benefit ultimately through this. It's funny you mentioned um, that mutual respect or that chumminess of the talks early on because when the deadline neared and ultimately passed on Monday, I was getting messages from folks in the union complaining that they weren't on strike. But isn't the idea really to come to a conclusion that is beneficial for, for both? So didn't the, the deadline, in fact, work? Well, yeah, Greg, that's exactly right. And uh, Lana Payne basically came out and said as much that, you know, th- their intention was not to strike. Their hope was not to strike. It was to get a deal. And, you know, ultimately they got it done. Um, so w- when it comes down to it, yeah, I think um, there's always going to be some uh, anger among a, f- a few members, probably a small minority, uh, as we could imagine on Twitter or otherwise, uh, that are going to be frustrated that they're not going out, that they're not uh, being quite as confrontational uh, as the UAW is in the U.S. um, simply because they have that uh, comparison right now and they can see that in the U.S. Uh, But yeah, the ultimate goal was a deal and it seems to be done. You know, you brought up the UAW and I wanted to talk about that during this interview. So let's just jump right into it. Can you compare Unifor's tactics with those of the UAW in the United States, both leading into these negotiations and how negotiations happen in Canada? Because they're not exactly the same, are they? No, well, and I mean, it, it seems like night and day, particularly this time, this time around. As we know, obviously, um, there's there's new leadership teams both uh, here in Canada and in the U.S. Uh, and when you look at what's going on in the U.S. at the moment and, and sort of the public posturing uh, that Sean Fain and the UAW are taking to this, it's completely different than what we're seeing out of Unifor here in Canada. Um, you know, I would say um, Unifor has been somewhat reserved even in what they, they've said in comparison to past years. So it's it's almost like... Like, um, you know, they're they're just taking a completely different approach when it comes to this. Uh, And, you know, there's not to say one is better than the other, but uh, certainly we're hearing a lot less about the deals here in Canada or or the uh, potential uh, uh, offers that uh, proposals that are going back and forth uh, than anything coming out of the U.S. where we're getting almost full details, full numbers uh, and, you know, everything under the sun. 
Yeah, you said reserved. I've called Unifor tight-lipped, more tight-lipped, less forthcoming than in the past. And other than a quote from a union source earlier this week that Unifor was asking for a raise, quote, north of 20%, can you shed any light on what's in the deal? Do we know anything at this point or what do you know? Uh, I certainly wish I could. I, d- I don't have anything else to add, honestly. Um, I-, I know what Unifor has said, uh, and I know what they were looking for. So, I mean, I think we have some idea about what we can expect. Uh, we can certainly expect significant wage increases. I think that, you know, that sort of uh, north of 20% number uh, is it- probably safe to assume they landed somewhere there, maybe a little bit higher. Um, pensions has been the other one of the other sticking points throughout this. Uh, basically, Lana Payne has harped on pensions all week, um, you know, when we were in that uh, short period there that uh, there was 24-hour extension to the initial deadline. Uh, It seemed to be pensions that were really hanging things up, uh, and she's focused on that a lot. So we'll see whether or not pensions will evolve, because um, as we all know, you know, the defined benefits versus defined contribution pension plan uh, tension has been there uh, for uh, years at this point. Um, And we have members on different uh, plans, um, and the union certainly wants to get everybody back to a defined benefits plan, uh, but whether or not they'll actually be able to do that, uh, it's seen as a pretty major concession from the automakers. Uh, so we'll see if that could happen or not. Uh, but that's certainly been another uh, point that um, Unifor has been fighting for. Uh, and one one last one that's really been a focus is support for workers when these EV retooling projects are going to happen. Uh, as we know, uh, these uh, basically every assembly plant in Ontario is going to shut down at some point for a matter of months uh, and Unifor has really been fighting uh, to try to make sure that workers get support uh, during that period or that you know uh, some of the training that they're going to need to do uh, to get ready to build EVs happens during that uh, retooling period so they're not all they're not off the job for you know four six eight months um, and shortening those timelines as much as possible. I think the one plant to watch when it comes to Ford are the engine plants. There's actually two in, in Windsor, Ontario, where they build internal combustion engines. And if those go away, what does that plant become? And we hadn't heard anything on that. Have you heard anything about that? Was that a focal point, a sticking point, um, something that needed to be discussed? Uh, I have no doubt. And uh, I've asked Lana Payne about this num- a number of times. She hasn't, uh, as we've kind of talked about, reserved in her answers. I wouldn't say um, I have too much detail on exactly what's going to happen. But yeah, as those plants are vitally important. Um, and I think, uh, e- interestingly, in this talk, uh, this round of talks, uh, the fact that they build these ICE engines is almost more important than what they might build in the future. And I'm talking to an analyst uh, earlier this week. And, you know, uh, basically those plants, uh, they build a number of engines, but F-Series trucks is the biggest uh, thing that they build engines for. And, you know, 29% uh, of all F-Series trucks that are built in North America have an engine out of one of those two plants. So, you know, it's a thousand vehicles a day um, that basically have uh, engines coming out of those plants. Uh, and if that stopped, there would have been major problems. So obviously, you know, that's one uh, bargaining chip that Unifor used to its advantage to, you know, really leverage this. Um, but in terms of what the future for those plants looks like, uh, I think we're probably going to get a better glimpse of it after 
uh, you know, we know the contents of this deal. Uh, chances are there is some sort of future. Uh, we saw uh, a similar step being taken uh, by GM in St. Catharines, uh, where they're they're going to transition that plant to building electric motors. Uh, so we may see something similar out of Ford and Windsor uh, at some point in the future, or at least a commitment toward that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, those F-Series truck engines are going to be important for, you know, no less than a decade. So I think at the same time, uh, that, that those two plants have some serious longevity still. We'll be right back after this short break. Due to the alarming rise in vehicle thefts, starting September 1st, 2023, Ontario drivers will face a brand new substantial surcharge to their already high insurance premiums to many of your top selling models and they need your help. IA Dealer Services has partnered exclusively with KYCS Global Inc. to offer dealerships across Canada the Invisitrack Locate Vehicle Recovery Program. Invisitrack Locate is recognized in the insurance industry as a solution to auto theft loss, so much so that insurance providers will waive the premium surcharge for consumers who install an Invisitrack Locate device in their vehicle. You can help your clients by simply adding an Invisitrack Locate with their vehicle purchase. Invisitrack Locate will save your eligible clients between $500 and $2,500 on their insurance surcharge per year for the next five years. Yes, you heard that right. You can save your clients between $2,500 and $12,500 over the next five years, all while adding a new revenue stream to your dealership and providing your customers with the most effective asset location and recovery device on the market. Now is the time to act. Contact your IA Dealer Services consultant today and ask how Invisitrack Locate can help you and your clients save money and recover stolen vehicles before they end up gone forever. Welcome back to the podcast where I'm speaking with Automotive News Canada Toronto Bureau Chief David Kennedy. So the tentative deal is done, endorsed by Unifor's Bargaining Committee. What's next? Basically comes down to ratification at this point. Um, And... uh, we can get into it, but I think, you know, there are some questions about what exactly the deal is going to uh, consist of and how, whether members are going to sign off on it. Uh, we've sort of talked from the beginning that members' uh, expectations are sky high uh, in, in this round of talks. And I think a lot of it is due to the rhetoric that we're seeing uh, down in the States with the UAW, you know, asking for 40 plus percent wage increases, you know, it, whether or not Unifor likes it, Certainly, that is crossing the border. Uh, the sentiment is crossing the border, and uh, you know, workers in Oakville and Oshawa and Windsor are looking at that, and they want that too. So the question is, uh, when it comes down to these ratification votes, which are going to be held uh, over basically over a 24-hour period from Saturday morning to Sunday morning. Uh, it's going to depend on how good this deal is, whether or not members decide they want to sign off on it. Uh, because often, uh, often it's not a rubber stamp by any measure uh, in the past. You know, members obviously need to vote to approve it, um, but it hasn't been particularly contentious in the past on whether or not these deals are likely to get approved. Uh, this one, just given the labor climate, given everything that's going on in the U.S., I, th- I think you know, labor experts say that there is there's questions over whether or not this will go through, uh, at least whether whether it will go through convincingly. Yeah, have any of those experts given you a odds or a percentage? You know, it, it's you know, I feel like it's about a fifty percent chance it passes. Have have they really shed any light on whether this deal gets ratified by the rank and file? What are their thoughts? 
I haven't heard a percentage, obviously, fair enough. They, they don't want to put their sure. uh, tie their name to a percentage either. But uh, at the same time, it's just, as I said, it's, there is skepticism just given everything that's going on. We saw recently, obviously, with Unifor as well, with those metro strikes that, that lasted a, a month or so. Uh, Unifor had uh, what everybody kind of considered a pretty good deal, uh, a, a good, sorry, a tentative deal that they then took to members and members rejected it. Uh, just because it, it, they saw it as not good enough. Um, so we've seen uh, Unifor Bargaining Committee recommended deals get voted down recently. Um, we've seen a few others uh, in other uh, areas of the uh, Canadian labor sphere also get voted down. Um, so it's it, it, it's just a, it's something that we haven't really seen um, in the in the past while, um, and just it just shows how much workers think they can get, and uh, obviously they're willing to strike to get it. Yeah, for those that don't know, I mean, Windsor Salt Workers in Windsor, Ontario, represented by Unifor, were out for nearly 200 days. And the issue wasn't necessarily wages. It was similar to Unifor in Unifor in, in the auto world was looking for better pensions and better benefits. Down here it was uh, dealing with a seniority issue. So it's not even always the wages that have uh, led the rank and file to vote against these deals. Um from your standpoint, personally, after everyone you've talked to, what do you see? Does it pass? It's tough to say. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know. I, I think it's 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 tough to come out and on one side of it simply because, you know, you're always going to get that vocal minority of people. Yeah, as I said earlier, you know, whether or not it's on Twitter or other other social media platforms that are, you know, they're loud and they don't want it to happen. They think Unifor may not have fought enough for it. Um, but there's obviously a lot of workers that don't feel that way. And they're going to look at a 20, 25 percent wage increase over three years as excellent uh, because it is. Um, but it's just whether or not it's good enough to really coax everybody into doing it. Uh, and I mean, some of it's going to come down to uh, members of the bargaining committee pitching this to members on Saturday morning uh, to really show them what they have and whether or not they can really, uh, you know, just convince everybody that this is the best deal they can get. Um, and, you know, going out on strike isn't going to solve anything. Three-year deal. Um, why a three-year deal this time? Uh, it was three years last time so that they could coincide with the U.S. United Auto Workers, but this time around, why three years? Uh, I think it's just... Uh what they want. Um, I get, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to say, um, you know, if you go back a few years, four year deal, there were a few years of four year deals, there are a few years of three. So there's no real, uh, at least um, if you go back long enough, no real consistency over how long they're going to be. Three years isn't completely out of the realm of uh, normal, I wouldn't say. Um, so I, I, my guess is simply that they, they see three year, a three year timeline as uh, something that they'll, they'll be better uh, equipped to understand where the industry is in three years because obviously uh you know when the deal was done in 2020 nobody probably would have predicted quite where we ended up now this is the question that all of us observers get who does unifor target next uh, it's a good question. And, uh, you know, I think we, we've kind of known from the beginning that Ford was uh, was going to be the one to start with. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Uh, probably leverage with those engine plants that I mentioned earlier as one of the key variables. Um, you know, I, when it comes to Stellantis or GM, I, I guess my guess would be Stellantis uh, they'll approach next. Um, we saw Lana Payne and Mark Stewart, the CEO of uh, Stellantis North America, uh, meet in Bram at the Brampton Assembly Plant 
plant just before talks. Um, and again, I said I would say the environment, you know, was fairly positive. Um, everybody was getting along. Um, and uh, the reality is that uh, mo most see Stellantis as, um, you know, being willing to willing to pony up uh, some money at the moment. I think it's just, uh, you know, they've come out and said that, you know, they're ready to reward employees. They have a very big Canadian footprint um, and it's going to grow with that uh, LG joint venture plant in Windsor. Uh, so my guess would be Stellantis um, just to get uh, sort of a, not necessarily an easy win, but uh, one that would be a bit easier probably to hammer out a contract with and then go to GM, which at least in my sense uh, will be a little bit of a tougher negotiation to get some of this done with. Funny you say that uh, about Mark Stewart and Lana in Brampton because the reason uh, Unifor gave everyone for bargaining with Ford first was the working relationship. Um, it really came down to they got along, they got a deal done first last time, and they wanted to sort of replicate that this time. Um, but yeah, it really does contrast with what's going on in the United States where it's very combative. Uh, very standoffish. And over here, it seems like they're trying to get deals done for the better of both parties. It's certainly the sense you get. I mean, I, I think the UAW is obviously doing the same thing. Uh, it, they're just being a little bit more vocal in the posturing. You know, Unifor is fighting for their members as well. I mean, that's that is literally their job. That's what they do. Um, but certainly, as we've discussed, you know, it's just a completely different approach this time around that, uh, you know, it's just it, it, it's just working with people differently. Uh, and, you know, uh, UAW sort of uh, bargaining through the media, so to speak, which Unifor has completely shied away from. David, appreciate your insight as always. Keep up the good work. Thanks a lot, Craig. Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank David for being my guest this week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.